Good day everyone and thank you so much for joining us for our Kirk Reflections podcast and we are just so overjoyed to have you listen to us. Uh, We feel very honored and privileged to have you join us for these podcasts. It's been one of those weeks, an in-your-face week I like to call it, whether on TV or radio or social media, it's just been unavoidable. The emotions stir from within as we see the harrowing images of people attempting to flee their country, clinging to planes and some falling to their death. Some squished into military planes like sardines, other passing their children over a barbed wire wall at the Kabul International Airport into the hands of heavily armed American or British Marines, not knowing where he or she, baby boy or girl, will end up. Surely, anywhere is safer than here. Can you imagine being so desperate, so filled with fear, that you would go to these extremes? A journalist friend mentioned that he had interviewed Afghanistan refugees in London on Wednesday. He said, you won't believe the stories, the trauma these people had to go through just to reach a safe place. It is inconceivable. These are the ones who managed to get out. And so our hearts break and we cry and we weep and we mourn for the pain and the suffering and hardship that these people endure. And I keep thinking, Lord, when are we going to get a breakthrough? It feels like it's just crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis. When when will this end? The world's gone crazy. Won't you just please step in? Come on, Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Do something. Alleviate the pain. Take away the brokenness. When we encounter such loss and and, uh, and pain and bereavement, we tend to ask these questions, hard questions, and, and we tend to wrestle with God. We lament a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. A woman lost her baby in the Haiti earthquake and said on Friday, sometimes I struggle to even believe that there is still a God. She and her baby, they were attending church the morning of the earthquake to have this baby girl baptized when a brick wall pinned them to the floor. And Paula spoke about the Psalms a few weeks ago, and we know that a big portion of the 150 Psalms are actually laments deriving from the prayer life of David. In fact, there's a whole book in the Old Testament dedicated to this very act of lament, lamentations. It seems to me then that suffering and loss and trauma is as old as the hills. David repeatedly faced loss and disappointment and death, but he never, never avoided, denied or downplayed any of these difficulties. In 2 Samuel 1, verses 17 to 27, David laments the deaths of Saul and Jonathan. 
in a climatic battle with the Philistines, Saul's sons were killed and Saul was badly wounded. And so Saul committed suicide by falling on his own sword to prevent the Philistines making sport of him. Both are mourned and in the morning, both are dignified. Saul and Jonathan, beloved, beautiful, together in life, together in death, swifter than plummeting eagles, stronger than proud lions. A poignant lament, a beautiful work of art. Grieving over his loyal friend, Jonathan. Yes, that we understand, we comprehend. But why lament Saul? Saul hated David. Saul chased David. Saul defrauded David. All those years in the wilderness, danger and hardship and loneliness, all because of Saul. Saul and David have been in conflict ever since David killed Goliath and the people shouted, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Saul, in his jealousy, tried to kill David. Throughout the rest of the first book of Samuel, Saul has viewed David as a threat and has plotted to kill him. But there was something else going on that was more significant than Saul's hatred of David. And that was God's anointing of Saul. What God did for Saul far outweighed anything Saul did to David. And David chose to be influenced by and shaped under the sovereignty. God's grace in Saul's life, not Saul's hate in David's life, is what gave content to David's prayers and decisions. The way David refers to Saul is nearly incomprehensible. He refers to both as mighty. Three times he wails, how the mighty have fallen. He praises the military prowess of both in verses 22 and 23. Beyond that, he calls them the glory of Israel and sings of the blessings they, and especially Saul, had brought to Israel in spite of the evil that Saul had done to David. David sings well of him. Incredible, isn't it? And so then why would David instruct the people of Judah to learn this lament? Why was it so important to him for people to, to memorize it and inhabit it as their own experience? Like a modern-day president ordering all flags to be flown at half-mast a sign of national mourning. Loss is not merely private. It's social and political as well. Lament shapes the culture. The way we deal with loss enters the atmosphere and makes us capable of nobility and beauty. Makes us capable of nobility or beauty or not. Practicing the Christian life has to do, along with much else, with learning this lamentation and learning it well. I was so surprised in this week to hear of multiple people willing to host 
and provide accommodation for Afghan refugees. Honestly, I was taken aback by people's response to those in need. Empathy and compassion and generosity. Welcoming the foreigner and stranger, making them feel at home. Qualities of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way we deal with loss makes us a people capable of nobility and beauty. Now the church, the church should be a place where death can be faced realistically and our, our grief over loss can be safely expressed. David's lament keeps us from moving too quickly to joy and praise of the serious loss. And so what we further learn from David and this lament is the following, the three Ps, presence, promise, and patience within lament, is that no matter what you are facing, whether it's bereavement, financial loss, the loss of opportunity or time, God is present. Even as you dare to doubt his goodness, your mere wrestle with this truth is proof enough of his existence, his constant companionship. Jesus is present with you in your lament. Also for those on whose behalf you're lamenting, like the Afghan refugees, those who lost their livelihoods due to the floods in Turkey or the fires in Greece. He is present, firstly, because secondly, he promised us that he is close to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. And this enables you, dear friends, to approach God boldly, turning to him openly to lay your complaint, choosing to trust him and his promises. He is present. He stays faithful forevermore. And thirdly, because of that, we can and we must wait patiently for him to give us the comfort we need. Not rushing through our grief and sorrow, but to sit with it, trusting that the Lord listens. A certain doctor were described going to an orphanage in Russia as they were in the process of pursuing adoption. The silence from the nursery was eerie. The babies in the cribs never cried, not because they never needed anything, but because they had learned that no one cared enough to answer. Children who are confident of the love of a caregiver cry. For the Christian, our lament when we take it to our Father in heaven is proof of our relationship with God, our connection to a great caregiver. And even Jesus lamented, cried over the death of his friend Lazarus, or the crowds as he looked upon them. They were like a flock of sheep without a shepherd. But in the same way Lazarus walked out of that tomb, Jesus was raised from the dead to never return. Because of Jesus' conquering of death, we can learn to lament with hope. 
in our hearts. It says in Revelation 21 verse 4, He will, that's another promise, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I wonder what it is that you are lamenting today. What is breaking your heart? What personal loss are you suffering? Or perhaps today you are lamenting the different inequalities or injustices in and around the world, making you cry the tears of Jesus Christ. Is it possible to lament as much for the Taliban as for the victims of their extremist ideology? Are we willing to embody something of Jesus Christ, to not only love our friends, but those that make it very difficult for us to love them back, like those suppressing and oppressing others in the way that David laments for the death of Saul. I want to latch on to um, Chompy and Dylan's challenge for the week, and I want to encourage you to somewhere today or in the week sit and to write a poem or maybe a story of lament for something that you yourself are going through and to make it broader and, and in a way also weep for those around the world and to pray for them as we lament, to hold on to the presence of Jesus with us, always with us, onto his promises and to know that we can patiently wait on him as our comforter. I want to lastly, as you write your poem of lament, I want to ask you to put an empty bottle somewhere in your house, something like this. It might be just a glass. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is that in the ancient Hebrew Jewish tradition, the way they lamented, the way they mourned the death or the passing of a family member is that during the time between the death and the burial, they would have an empty bottle and those who cried, they would collect the tears of family members and friends and put it into a bottle and bury it with a person who has passed on as a sure sign that they will be kept in the hearts of those that remain behind as well. And I want you to keep this bottle somewhere where you can see it as a sign and a symbol that God is with you in your turmoil and in your struggle, that he understands what you are going through. Whatever that thing is that you are wrestling with now, God is with you in your pain and in your suffering, with you and those around the world. So may that be true for you. May we learn to lament more and lament well for your own brokenness and that of the world. And may you trust in his presence and promises as you wait patiently for him. Amen. Friends, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it's always a pleasure 
to see you and um, we invite you to join us next week for our second last sermon series on David lessons from a complicated life and please remember to book in for either the 10:15 or the 11:30 service receive now the blessing and grace of God father help me to live this day to the full being true to you in every way Jesus help me to give myself away to others being kind to everyone I meet spirit help me to love the lost proclaiming Christ in all I do and say and the blessing of God the father the son and the holy spirit be among you and remain with you always amen